Please pray. Lord, open my lips, that my mouth would proclaim your praise. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. For those of us who have walked through the joy of Holy Week and the Easter Vigil here at Christ Our Hope, the lesson that we read this morning is not uh, unknown to us at all, is it? It's one of the passages that we really delight in bringing to life, pun intended, during the Easter Vigil. But I want us to slow down this morning and walk through that very familiar passage because I think it has a lot to say to us during this time of international crisis, during this time of change and transition as a parish, because I believe it's deeply prophetic, pun intended. What I mean by that, though, is that there is a powerful word very directly and personally intended for us in this text. So follow along with the text from Ezekiel. Of course, we all know the action behind this prophetic scene. Ezekiel has this vision or experience. We don't know if he was actually physically transported and saw these things actually happen in the real world or if this was a prophetic dream or, or like a, a waking vision. However he saw and experienced it doesn't really matter. What matters is hearing what Ezekiel saw and experienced. He says, the hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones, and he led me around among them. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. The point here is that this is a place where there was no life. The aridness of the place, a desert valley filled with bones that he emphatically declares were very dry, is meant to evoke a clear picture of lifelessness. The aridness of the place. Nothing is living here. The dry bones, nothing possibly could. In 2013, I had the great privilege of traveling to the Holy Land, thanks to the generosity of some parishioners. And I remember traveling uh, first to the Mediterranean, to the seaside, and then up to Galilee, which I found to be remarkably similar to the climate and, and feel of northern Colorado, yellows and browns of sort of sun-baked, high-altitude, semi-arid hills. And then we went north to the borders with Lebanon and Syria, and we encountered verdant, lush mountain valleys before coming down south into the Dead Sea Valley. The plain was a completely dry mud flat. Absolutely nothing was growing. It was the most desolate desolate place I have ever been. I've been through the deserts of southern Colorado and New Mexico, Utah, southern California, and all those places. I remember being struck and impressed with the life that is present when you're looking for it. Colors, plants, even animals. 
that live in those places, that inspire with their tenacity to live in these very harsh environments. Not so the Dead Sea region. It has earned its name. Nothing lives there. And I am convinced nothing could. This is the kind of place that Ezekiel was taken to in this vision. Nothing lived there and nothing could. Until Almighty God speaks. Son of man, can these bones live? In the midst of this abject dearth of life, God speaks. Can these bones live? Very wisely, the perplexed prophet answers, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, prophesy, son of man, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I've often wondered what Ezekiel must have thought at this point. One has to wonder if the thought flashes into his mind, this is ridiculous, prophesying to these dry, dead bones. What are you playing at? There's no life here. Perhaps he may have thought, yikes. Lord, would you please find somebody else? Because when these bones come to life, I'm not sure that I actually want to be here. Doubt, fear, who knows? What we do know is that whatever the prophet thought or felt, in the end, he resolved to obey. Doubts and fears aside, when God says he's going to do something, he does it. And so Ezekiel obeys, and God acts. When God says he's going to do something, he does it. What an important message, what an important point for us to remember in our lives of faith. Faith, biblical faith, is not blind, unmerited belief in something just because we've got to believe in something. Biblical faith is placing trust in the one who has promised because he has shown himself faithful to keep his promises. Jesus asked his disciples in John uh, chapter 14, believe in God, believe also in me. They had faith in God because they knew their Old Testaments and they knew all the ways that he had always shown himself faithful. And they could believe in Jesus because he too always did precisely what he said he would do. The grace of God through the gospel is that God doesn't ask us to blindly believe and accept. He doesn't ask us to blindly believe and accept the resurrection of the dead or the restoration of all things. He asks us to believe in resurrection because he has shown himself faithful to do the work of resurrection in Jesus Christ. 
He has demonstrated the power of resurrection. The same Jesus who rose from the dead and who says to us, Behold, I am making all things new, invites us to believe in the restoration work that he is already and continuing to do, what he wants to do in us, what he wants to do through us and with us. He was true to his word in the past, and faith is trusting that he will be consistently true to himself, true to his word. God tells Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones, and this is what will happen. Ezekiel obeys, and it happens. But, but, but there was no breath in them. Lord, I thought you said you were going to cause breath to enter them. You did everything else, the sinews, the the, the flesh. Why no breath? Well, the prophet goes on, verse 8. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Now let's pause right there. Because in a scene that seemed bizarre and something out of a Stephen King film, not Stephen King, rather Steven Spielberg film to begin with, now we have this even more bizarre part. Prophesy to the four winds to come and breathe life into these lifeless corpses. What? What is going on here? Well, here's a couple of details you need to know and understand to some degree to demystify what's going on here. First, understand that the word in the Hebrew language that means breath, ruach, also means wind. So there's something of a play on that word going on here, but it gets better because the word ruach also means spirit. Spirit, breath, wind, all one word in the Hebrew language. This takes us all the way back to Genesis 1, the very first paragraph of the scriptures where we read, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit, the Ruach of God, was hovering over the face of the waters. The imagery of Ezekiel's vision is quite deliberate. The Ruach of God, which hovered over the deep and breathed out, let there be light, causing the creation to come into being. This is the same Ruach that God urges Ezekiel to call upon to revivify these lifeless corpses. Prophesying to the bones could only get them to a certain point. They do not contain within themselves the power to restore themselves to life. Dead things can't make themselves undead. Of all the things that keep me awake at night, zombies and ghosts are not among them. 
dead things can't make themselves undead. All life comes from God, the author and creator of life. New life, resurrection life, comes only from the God who brought forth life, brought again from the grave our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, as the scriptures say. Bones don't have the capacity to make themselves alive. So when Ezekiel prophesies to the bones, they can only get so far. As one of the colleagues in the Book of Common Prayer expresses it, Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. That is the essential point of this seemingly bizarre feature of this vision. Life does not come from within the creation itself. It comes to us from the outside. Life comes from the Lord God, the creator of life. Life comes by the spirit of life. That is the entire point of this vision as Ezekiel sees it. Life comes by the spirit of life. And we see that confirmed in the interpretation of the vision that God gives Ezekiel to proclaim to his fellow Jews. He goes on, Then he, God, said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Understand, Ezekiel was speaking, he was prophesying, he was ministering to a people already in exile. We know from history that Ezekiel was among the first to be carried off from the land of Israel by Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon, into exile. We know from Ezekiel's book that he was five years in exile before God first called him to be a prophet. So here by chapter 37, well into his prophetic ministry, he and his fellow Jews are well into their time of exile. By the time this vision is given to him, it's almost certain that surely the Israelites were crying out to God. Is there any hope left? Our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. Indeed, we are cut off. As a prophet, Ezekiel's job had been to call the people in exile back to faithfulness, back to the Lord their God. But God acknowledges here that by the time we reach chapter 37, the people had to be wondering if all hope was gone already. Why even bother with faithfulness? What will it do for us? What might it produce? People of God, it's easy for us to feel that way as well today, isn't it? with all the upheaval of our world, with all that is going on around us, all that seems to be going on to us. For those of you in retirement, in a week where you saw your retirement investments diminish significantly, for those working in industries where you in fact can't go to work and therefore you cannot be paid, for those young people whose lives, whose futures have been seemingly upended by this crisis, is our hope gone? And if so, then what's the point? 
do we find ourselves saying with ancient Israel, our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we are cut off. Even apart from this COVID-19 pandemic, life throws plenty our way. There are plenty of other opportunities to feel beat down, broken, like parched, dry bones. When we get to that place, whether because of what's going on in the world, what, what's going on to us that is completely beyond our control, completely out of our hands, or whether because of what is going on in our lives, because of stresses and anxieties we feel over the changes that are coming seemingly fast and furious in our parish community, or personal and interpersonal crises that we feel in our own uh, tighter spheres. When we feel like we are at the end of ourselves, like our bones are dried up and that there's no more help, hear what the Lord God of Israel says to his ancient people. Hear this resurrection word, this resurrection hope, this word of life. Hear it for yourselves, O people of God. God says to Ezekiel, therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you. Where does life come from? The spirit of life. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Our God is a God of life. Our God is a God of resurrection. Even before the very first Easter, which we'll remember in a couple of weeks, our God is and has been a God of life and a God of resurrection life. The God who takes broken, failed, dried up, dead bones and brings them back to life. Life comes from the spirit of life. In the case of ancient Israel, remember why they were where they were in exile. Remember why they're feeling what they're feeling. They had completely and utterly failed at their mission. They had failed as a nation, the nation which God had miraculously redeemed and delivered under Moses at the Red Sea, at the Jordan River where they walked across on dry land. But then they failed to live up to the national calling that God had placed upon them to be his holy set-apart people. They were in exile because they failed. And even when God sent messengers to point out the failure and give them second, third, fourth chances, they still persisted in their rebellion and their failures to be the light to the nations that God had hoped they would be. Their bones were broken and dried up. Their hope was seemingly lost, all because of their own actions, all because of their own shortcomings and failures. As we've seen through the readings over the last several weeks, if you've been following along, 
St. Paul will say it so clearly, the wages of sin is death. Those wages are collected because of the choices that human beings make that lead to death. Each and every day following in the rebellion of our first parents, Adam and Eve, who chose a way that led to death. We too make those choices. We too fail. We have no health within ourselves to help ourselves. As a husband of nearly 22 years, as the father of five children, I get regular routine feedback in my life that reminds me that I routinely and regularly fail. This is not a situation unique to the Old Testament people of God. We are a people who fail. Whether it's the failure to live up to our own expectations for ourselves, our own expectations of our lives, or our failure to be the good, loving, holy people we know we ought to be as the people of God. Whether we fail to trust and hope in the midst of trying times, or we fail to care, or to carry on in, uh, uh, with the dignity and character we know that God expects of us. We too are people who fail. So hear these words of the prophet as words directly to us, people of God. Have we been all we, he could hope and desire for us as followers of Jesus? No, we have not. Have we lived up to the hope he may have had for our parish, Christ our hope? No, we have not. Have we met these days of challenge and fear with perfect faith and love? No, we have not. Does that exempt us from the mercy and grace of God? No, it does not. Wherever you might feel like you've dropped it, you've failed, hear these words of God again. I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. I will raise you up from your failures. I will breathe my life back into you. There is hope. There is always hope. Not hope in our ability to raise ourselves up by our bootstraps. Not hope in the indomitable human spirit. No hope within ourselves to help ourselves, but hope in the spirit of life who brings forth life. There is our hope, people of God, amidst the changes and chances of this life, amidst our own failures and shortcomings and frustrations. Hope in the God who brings forth life, and even when we fail and stumble and fall, brings forth resurrection life within us. That is our hope. That is the prophetic word that God wants you to hear today. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is life. He brings forth life. He breathes forth life into dead places. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, I pray that you will breathe life 
into our lives. Lord, bring forth, breathe life into my life and into the lives of my brothers and sisters wherever they're watching from this morning. It's in your name, Lord Christ, that we pray it all. With the Father and the Holy Spirit is always glorified, one God, world without end. Amen.